listener's discretion is advised. Uh, are we on? Oh, we're actually on again. Here we go. Good evening to all of the parties who are listening here tonight on this second to last episode before I go back to school again on this Saturday edition of Random Stuff. Now, we begin with the little sports monologue because that's what's left in my agenda. But anyways... Uh, during the Sunday race at Richmond Raceway for the NASCAR Cup Series for the Federated Auto Parts 400. Yes, 400 laps of racing at Richmond for the Cup Series. And Kevin Harvick went back-to-back for the ninth time in his Hall of Fame racing career. And he spoke to Marty Snyder of NBC Sports after his back-to-back win here in 2022, one from Michigan and, of course, the other one from Richmond. So here was his on-track interview with Marty Snyder about that back-to-back win for Kevin Harvick. Wow, Kevin Harvick in victory lane for the second week in a row. I mean, in all honesty, did you see back-to-back wins coming from this four team? I know you said last week, if you don't, if you doubt us, you don't know us. But did you see back-to-back wins in the cards before the regular season ended? Ah, you know, I just, I didn't know. It's like I, like I said uh, last week, I mean, the cards have been running good week in and week out, and you see that we have a lot better understanding of, of what's going on with how we didn't adjust it on the car after the first run, and, and we're able to, um, you know, get our car handling a lot better. And I think as it got dark, um, the racetrack really came to our mobile one Ford Mustang. So just got to thank uh, Mobile, Bushlight, uh, Gear Wrench, Hunt Brothers, Reem Ford, Xfinity, Morton Buildings, Easy Go, everybody who helps at Stuart Haas Racing on this uh, four car. It's maybe a good thing it wasn't 401. Did you see Christopher Bell coming and were you getting a little bit worried there? Well, I knew he was coming, but I forgot to shift down the front straightaway the last time. I was, I was not paying attention and he got closer than he should have, so... Um, I made a mistake there a couple laps doing the doing the same thing. Uh, I wasn't shifting on the back and I was shifting in the front so there was a lot going on and uh, made a couple mistakes to let him get too close. So Kevin with this level of momentum for you and the four team how dangerous can this team be in the playoffs? How we're just gonna keep doing the things that we're doing right you know I think we just have to you know just keep an open mind about things yeah. and keep progressing and keep understanding the car understand what we could have done better today understand what we could have done better in qualifying yesterday and do the same thing over and over i want to say hi to piper and keelan uh delane and everybody home they're going to celebrate back-to-back wins rodney childers kevin harvick they put ford and stewart house racing in victory lane here in front of these fans at richmond while there's a thrill of victory for the winner of the race at richmond 
others are not thrilled that that one particular person and that person's name is Ross Chastain. Yes, the same Ross Chastain who has started all the trouble and having problems with Denny Hamlin. Yes, Denny Hamlin of all people and had some other people to pick with including Kyle Busch. Yes, Kyle Busch who had a top 10 finish at that race at Richmond had uh, something to say on his uh, post-race interview with NBC's Dave Burns. Top 10 today for Kyle Busch. I know that wasn't what you wanted. How would you describe today's action? I mean, <laughs> we were looking okay and uh, in a good spot just coming up through there working our way methodically through the field with our M&M's Toyota Camry and um We got Chastain this week. We were his victim this week, and then um, that didn't hurt us too bad. We we restarted back in a decent spot, but then the next spin I think was Christopher. Um, that allowed the guys that were around us that we were kind of racing some of our team guys to come get tires, and then they had 10 fresher laps on tires than us the whole rest of the day. So um, that kind of hurt us. If if we would have been on that strategy, we would have run out of tires. Um, but we also probably would have been, you know, in the top five. So just. Um, wrong side of the strategy there uh, at the end. Nothing, nothing to do really to, to flip that. But good fight all day long. Um, you know, the top ten's about what we had anyway. I figured the best we were was about a seventh. Um, you know, but barring a strategy call, we, we could have probably been top five. So uh, that's all we had anyway. Kyle, how does this set you up for the next two weeks? I know Toyota's had a little struggle on the road courses this year, but then you have Daytona coming up as well, which is a wild card. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think. At the end of these road courses, anyways, those are wild cards too. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that we can get five wide on the front stretch at Watkins Glen, but watch us. We'll try, and um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Watkins Glen's always been a great track for us, and this car is has definitely not been our strong suit for the road courses. So I would assume, um, just assumption, that we wouldn't be that great. I would think that we can go run for a top ten though barring missing everything happening and then uh, again same thing for Daytona just crapshoot try to go in there and, and again get another top 10 try to get the bus rolling in the right direction right now solid day once they turn it around for Kyle Busch well Kyle Busch was the first person I heard someone said he got chastained by Ross Chastain and you know how he will react when the cameras are off and he gets interviewed in the radio he'll He'll go ballistic, not ballistic like uh, getting really angry, but he just getting paranoid with reporters, and that is his thing. You know, when he has a terrible day, he gets really angry, and when he has a good day, when he wins, he brags about it and uh, goes off on the haters who think that he cannot win. Now let's move on. Now the National Football League got. It's groove back when the uh, first preseason week ended, and everybody's talking about how 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 they're gonna line up their official roster. And uh, to me, it's all about the quarterback position and the starting offense. Starting defense is fine, but when it comes to it, I think of how will the Pittsburgh Steelers. Complete their roster, and to me, it's also about the uh, starting quarterback position between Mason Rudolph, the newly acquired Mitch Trubisky, 
and their draftee, Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh Panthers. Now, Kenny Pickett was no stranger to the what was once called Heinz Field. That's where the University of Pittsburgh's football team played and the uh, offices for both the University of Pittsburgh football and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization are next door. So when he made his way to the stadium, he had, of course, lots of cheers and, of course, some support from his ex-teammates from the University of Pittsburgh football team. And uh, here is how he did on his preseason week when he went to go out there and perform and help this team defeat the Seattle Seahawks on preseason week one. And here is the highlights that were on YouTube. And, and trust me, the crowd is getting on their feet for a celebration. How about this? To acknowledge Kenny Pickett's great job by these fans here. The merchandise sales already through the roof. Those are some of his pit teammates over there. You see them in blue. They've come to support Kenny Pickett here at Akershore Stadium. This is where he did all his work as a member of the Pitt Panthers, taking him to an ACC championship. Jalen Warren in it back for you. Rolling right as Pickett. He's been really good in the camp like that. Jay Sternberger is going to get first down yardage on his first pass as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Great start. 38 yards for Sims. He had a 38-yard punt return earlier to set up the second score of the game. Pickett. It's another receiver, and that is Jalen Warren. A good, healthy game. This crowd is alive for Kenny Pickett. Question about it, he says, I'm not going to change it. I've had success no matter the weather condition. Pickett now, a little bit of pressure. He stands in there, and he hits Sims once again, who's tackled from behind. Uh, offensive line, he's used to these guys. Swing pass right on the money, and it's Warren who stretches for the end zone and is going to be just short, I believe. But Jalen Warren trying to get there with an extra effort. It's going to set up this offense with alacrity. Rolling right again. Pressure throwing. Warren, does he get in or is he stopped short? It's a touchdown. The first of the Kenny Pickett era. They signal touchdown for the stretch by Jalen Warren. All the way on the field. The ruling on the field of a touchdown stands. Timeout Seattle, their first. 6.44 left, third quarter. Steelers trying to make it an eight-point game. Pickett fires and has his man in the end zone. That's Connor Hayward. And that is two more points added to the total. It's no surprise. You know what I'm saying? They're making plays in practice. We're sharpening each other. Iron versus iron, they're making plays. So, uh, Are you glad I don't have to ask you about your contract? Yes, very glad. <laughs> All right, Vika, thanks so much, Bob and Charlie. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys. All right, Missy, thank you. Mitch Trubisky, touchdown pass. Mason Rudolph, touchdown pass. Kenny Pickett with a touchdown pass. And another completion right there as he goes to Cody White. I want to see Chase Claypool in this offense along with Pat Fryermuth. And if they can do, do that, man, it's going to be pretty exciting to see. Pickett delivers. Has his man there again. It's Sneed. This time he hangs on just short of the first down. And uh, we haven't mentioned Zach Gentry. This another guy I think has taken progressive steps every year. Joe Hague was one of those swing tackles last year. He's a Mr. Versatility kind of guy. Quick hitter right there. And that's for about second and ten. We approach the two-minute warning for Pickett. Trying to keep this drive alive. And he goes and has his man. 
Tyler Vaughns, close to a first down, will set up third down. Austin, that's a pretty good triumvirate of defensive talent there. Along with the star players they have on this defense, I can understand why Mike Tomlin wants to see a dominant effort this year. That he wasn't, they brought him in here, but where's he going with Chris Boswell around? But you never know with injuries down the road. Pickett now on first down, he escapes. Kenny Pickett fakes it, and he gets to the outside, he'll run out of bounds. Good play by Pickett. Edmonds, we saw him earlier doing well. Third and one. And it's going to go to Cody White, who does get first down yardage after he turned it inside. And that will keep the drive alive as the clock continues to tick, tick, tick away. Again, under pressure is picking the escapes, and he's going to die for more yardage. Second down. Pickett slings it down the field. A good out pattern, and it goes to Vaughns. Vaughns is going to dive into the end zone. Tyler Vaughns from Kenny Pickett. <laughs> By the way, what a final drive for the uh, Kenny Pickett-led Steelers offense to defeat the Seattle Seahawks 32-25 at the newly named Acrisure Stadium. Yes, that is the new stadium name for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pitt football team. And now they're getting ready for week two. We don't know what's going to happen. But the only question and concern is how are they going to finalize their roster when they enter into the regular season? Same goes for the other teams. Now... I recommend not doing joint practices anymore because there is problems when it comes to those. So that's a little bit of a message for me. But anyways, I hope everyone is ready for a great iron season. That involves the National Football League and NCAA College Football on every division. But anyways, after this brief ad, we're going to get some more information on the FBI raiding Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and what they have found. So stay tuned, folks. Yo, we heard the stock market is like bad or something. Well, not over here at TJ Maxx. We're still flying high thanks to our rock-solid business strategies like always making the store look like it was just hit by a small tornado, never opening a second register, only carrying clothing in size 3XL or adult baby, selling those stylish combination shirt and ties wrapped in plastic, and keeping you guessing whether the underwear is pre-worn. So come on down to TJ Maxx, where every day is Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And we back, folks. Now let's get to that segment. It is a segment once ran by the host of the Late Show on CBS during Donald Trump's European tour called Why in the World is Donald Trump? Now, do you remember when last week the FBI raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and all of Trump supporters, including the right-wing media, are as pissed as a rock? And the question was, what the fuck 
are they trying to find in Trump's Mar-a-Lago home? Well, the questions have been answered and Trevor Noah, who is the current host of The Daily Show on Comedy Central, uh, broke it down for us. Which, I hope, this is not too much detailed for me to even think about it, but here was Trevor Noah's breakdown. Remember how last week the FBI took an eight-hour vacation to Mar-a-Lago and went home with a bunch of souvenirs? Well, we all had the same question. What were they looking for at Donald Trump's house? This weekend, we all found out. This morning, the newly unsealed search warrant shedding light on what exactly FBI agents were looking for at Mar-a-Lago and what they seized. According to the documents made public by a federal judge, agents were searching for evidence of three potential crimes, violations of the Espionage Act, unlawful removal of public records, and obstruction of justice by concealing, altering, or destroying records to impede an investigation. They found 27 boxes of government records, including 11 sets of classified documents. Four sets of documents were marked top secret, and one marked top secret SCI. A classification reserved for some of the most sensitive intelligence and national security information, typically only viewed in a highly secure location. Yeah, that's right. Turns out Trump didn't just have top secret documents, they were top secret SCI. What does SCI stand for, you ask? That's also top secret, you dumbass! I'll be honest, I didn't even know you could have a level of secret above top. Did you know this? I also don't think it makes sense, right? That's the point of top. If there's something above top, then top is middle, you know? Yeah, top is top, people. Like Top Gun, he's the best fighter pilot. If someone else come in and then they're like top a gun, I want my money back. That's not what I was promised. Not to mention, if something is top, but then we find out that there's something above that, then how do we know that that's not the final thing? Then there could be something above that. And then how do we know that there's not something above that? Because there's no top. Like, top has to be the top. Then there's no end. And then, like, space-time is, what, infinite? And then do we even exist? Like, what, what does this mean? Like, who are we? I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a panic attack right now. Stop the show. Stop the Turns out Donald Trump was in possession of top secret documents he wasn't supposed to have. And look, I'm not victim blaming here, but if you ask me, the government is partly too responsible. They're partly responsible for labeling the files top secret. <laughs> yeah, because think about it. Nobody wants to read boxes of government documents, right? But if it says top secret on it, now everyone's interested. <laughs> it's the same way you don't label your porn folder porn. <laughs> Right? The government should do what we do. Just put secrets in a folder called taxes 2012 to 2017. <laughs> yeah, I've done that my whole life. <laughs> my only screw up was I did this when I was 12 years old. And then my mother was like, what taxes are you paying when you're 12? <laughs> and then she busted me for porn and tax evasion. Anyway, the point is, no matter what they label, Donald Trump wasn't supposed to have these documents at his house. And in case you're wondering why these documents are top, 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 top secret, well, hold on to your butts, because what Trump took home could blow them right off. The Washington Post has reported that among the material sought by federal agents was related to nuclear weapons programs. If you get into nuclear-related documents, 
That is the highest level. It does not get any more serious than that. Some of this could be information about adversaries. Mm. Some of this could be about nuclear weapon design. Some of this could be about our nuclear arsenals uh, or our launch procedures. Are you shitting me? <laughs> Donald Trump might have kept the world's nuclear secrets in his basement at Mar-a-Lago? The same place Rudy Giuliani sleeps to avoid the sunlight? That is so irresponsible! <laughs> because you realize the worst case scenario with these documents is that Trump sold them to like Saudi Arabia. The best case scenario is that he just lay in bed with them and rubbed them all over his naked body. <laughs> Actually not, I'm gonna flip that. The worst case scenario is that he rubbed them naked on his body. Hopefully he just sold them to the Saudis, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, just today, to add to this whole saga, Trump posted that in the raid by the FBI of Mar-a-Lago, they stole my three passports. One expired, <laughs> along with everything else. And I can see why Trump is pissed if they took his passports. I mean, he's the guy who wanted to build the wall, and now he's going to need to sneak into Mexico. Come as a bitch. He's just... Also... So, why does Donald Trump even need a passport? There is no one on earth that looks or sounds like this man. No one. He could land on a distant planet and the aliens, they would be like, we've seen TV, welcome Donald Trump. He'd be like, thank you, now please take me to your three-boobed woman. And by the way, you do realize there's a 15% chance Trump just misplaced his passport, right? It's possible. It happens all the time. You think... The FBI took something and you find it in your sock drawer. <laughs> yeah, like for all you know, maybe Melania moved them. You know, it's like, oh no, I guess now I have to go back to Slovenia by myself. Bye, Donald. <laughs> Bye. You know, you know what's been the most fun? The most fun in all of this is how Trump and the red caps are working so hard to invent new excuses for why this crime wasn't a crime. Because you remember when, when the story first broke, right? they were saying things like, there's nothing at Mar-a-Lago except a bunch of notes from Eric, and, and if they did find something, the FBI must have planted it. Well, forget all that, forget all of it. That's like two days ago, right? <laughs> they got a fresh shipment of excuses today, starting with, it was homework. The former president is offering a new line of defense for taking these documents to his Mar-a-Lago home. A statement released by Trump's office Friday night contends that everyone takes work home sometimes. Yeah, no, no, you know what? That's true. Everyone does take work home sometimes, but not Donald Trump. <laughs> the man barely took work to work. <laughs> and also, by the way, it's not taking work home with you if you no longer have the job. All right, can we agree on that? All right, you don't have the job. You can't take work home with you. Like if you get fired from your babysitting job, but you still go pick up the kid from school, that's just kidnapping. But if you don't like that excuse, that's fine, that's fine. Trump's got another one. Like, how about Obama? President Trump has been making the baseless and false claim that former President Obama took more than 30 million classified documents when he left the White House. Donald Trump tweeted, that President Barack Hussein Obama kept 33 million pages of documents, much of them classified. How many of them pertain to nuclear? Word is, lots. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
first of all, uh, this is just completely made up. In fact, the National Archives came out and said it is not true. But also, for the sake of the argument, let's say it was true. These people are the same people who have spent 15 years saying Obama is basically the devil. But then when they get into trouble, they're like, it's fine, we just did the same thing as the devil. <laughs> and also, uh, did, did you pick up that uh, Barack Hussein Obama? That was a nice little touch. Yeah. <laughs> Just to remind the people who he really is. Yeah. I know what Trump is doing. He's trying to drum up all Islamophobia, but everybody knows that that's Barack's middle name. It doesn't sound nefarious anymore. No? It just sounds like you're his mom. Barack Hussein Obama, you get down here and clean up this mess right now! Uh, come on, mom. But. But. If you don't like that excuse, it's cool, baby, it's cool. Trump's got another one for you. It's about how he declassified these documents in his mind. And a new defense emerged overnight from a conservative journalist tied to Trump who read a statement from the former president's office. He had a standing order that documents removed from the Oval Office and taken to the residence were deemed to be declassified the moment he removed them. Oh, that's an interesting excuse. Anything Trump took home with him was automatically declassified because he had a standing order. It's also super convenient that no one has ever heard about this rule until he got busted for having top secret documents at his house, but whatever. I've actually heard this defense before. Yeah, usually it's when people get busted for having an affair, you know? They'll be like, no, actually, I didn't cheat on you. I'd already broken up with you in my mind on the way to their house. And then on the way home, I decided to give us another chance. Come here, baby. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. So there you have it. Three brand new, fresh excuses. Oh, what? Oh, that's still not enough for you? Oh, you, you're particular. Okay, I see. Then maybe what you need is a little bit of this. NBC has a piece out quoting sources that say the chaotic nature of Donald Trump's exit from the White House contributed to sensitive documents being taken to Mar-a-Lago. Then there were reports that Trump packed in a rush, quote, when it finally dawned on Donald Trump in the twilight of his presidency that he wouldn't be living at the White House for another four years, he had a problem. He had barely packed and had to move out quickly. <laughs> Oh, this is the greatest excuse of all time. Trump's people are saying because he didn't think he was leaving the White House, he packed in a hurry when he left. Yeah, yeah, he was so busy planning the coup, he didn't even think about packing. Is that what happened? It's like, guys, I wasn't trying to steal these documents. I was trying to steal the election. Why would I pack when I thought I'd have another 10 or 20 years in the White House? It makes no sense. Hello? Yeah, I mean, the fact that Trump declared victory prematurely in the 2020 election because the election day must end on election day. All the votes must end on election day. So I guess he really wanted to stay in power. Oh wait, he really does want to stay in power. He doesn't want to leave. He wants to stay for a second term. And what could have been, you know, an even biglier mess. Anyways, after this brief ad, we're gonna get to listen to some, actually, a song by the late Olivia Newton-John, so don't go anywhere, folks. Stay tuned on this second-to-last episode before the mid-season finale of my podcast. Mm -hmm. 
When you need to refuel after a workout, you drink Gatorade. And when you need to recover without sugar, you drink G-Zero. And when you need to rehydrate, after you ball your eyes out watching the series finale of This Is Us, you drink Gatorade Chardonnay. The only wine from Gatorade for This Is Us fans. Filled with boozy electrolytes that'll help you fuel up after breaking down. Gatorade Chardonnay. Please don't leave us, Pearson. Come on, we miss you! And we have returned after this brief ad on this Saturday edition of Random Stuff. Or should I say the last Saturday before I take a little break for school, obviously. Now, everybody knew the passing of Olivia Newton-John, who was 73 when she passed away. Now, let's get to listen to one of her songs. Actually, one of her live performance back in 1982, which is a song from one of her movies that she was on called Xanadu. This song is called Magic, so here it is, the live 1982 performance of Magic. Here she is, the late, great Olivia Newton-John.
And that was the late Olivia Newton-John with that 1982 live performance of Magic from the movie Xanadu. Now, after this brief ad, we're gonna wrap this episode up, so stay tuned, folks. Hi there, I'm seven-time Academy Award winner and your mom's favorite gay, Sean Hayes. I have two questions for you. Do you travel often and are you gay? Good. And good. Don't book another flight without my new app, Fruitfly. Fruitfly connects you with flights run by gay flight attendants who want to give you tons of free just because you're gay and there. Here's how it works. Log into the app and pick your destination. Flights with giving gays are marked with fruit baskets. Oh, hi there, Jeffrey. Oh, hey, Sean. Looking tone. Oh. Are you going to Fire Island this summer? Nah, I couldn't get a dog sitter. That's too bad. Here, let me get you 20 small bottles of vodka and a smoked salmon appetizer from first class. <laughs> It's gays helping gays. When straight people try to use Fruitfly, the app detects their heterosexuality via their unhealthy nail beds and goes into rejection mode. Buzz off, breeder. With Fruitfly, it really does get better. What was that? As flawless as Judy Dench in Notes on a Scandal. <laughs> okay, is that a tanning bed? <laughs> And when you wake up, your laundry will be steamed and folded too. So don't fly the gray heterosexual skies again. When you're way up in the air, be gay up in the air. Oh my God, is that Meryl Streep? Girl, get down from there. Fruit fly. Join the Mile Hey Club. Special treatment only guaranteed if and because you're Sean Hayes. If you're just some random gay, good luck. That is it for this second to last episode of Random Stuff before I do some school stuff again. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the last episode before I go to the school stuff. So, good night!